0: Monster House presents
2: Monster Talk is an independent podcast production of Monster House, LLC. You can show your support by subscribing to our ad free extended episodes at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. We want to grow our Monster Talk audience. And the easiest way to accomplish that is for listeners to leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Positive reviews have a huge impact, and only take a moment.
0: We routinely receive various communications, space garbage to decode and examine. They look something like this. It's
2: radio waves and gibberish, Agent Cooper till Thursday night, Friday morning to be exact, around the time that I was shot, the readout took us by surprise, row after row of gibberish,
0: and all of a sudden, the owls are not what they seem.
2: Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stoltzner.
2: In the introduction, we heard a clip from the TV show Twin Peaks. The first two seasons of that show aired in 1990, and the owls are not what they seem became a haunting refrain that seemed to have tapped into a cultural fear and fascination with these birds. The association of owls to aliens and extraterrestrials is actually quite old. And longtime listeners will know that famous UFO and alien related incidents like the Flatwoods Monster and the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins have been skeptically explained as complicated but sincerely misunderstood interactions between unexpecting people and owls. The Whitley Strieber Communion books also use owls and firmly connect them with contact from non human intelligences. In recent years, researchers like Mike Cleland who is often referred to as the Owl Guy in UFO circles, have collected many stories of people associating owls with unusual personal experiences. These may include UFOs and aliens, but also ideas around the afterlife. This is not a new correlation. You can find references to owls as psychopomps, what the ancient Greeks called the animals that can be couriers of souls to the afterlife, or messengers to that realm. In Shakespeare's Julius Caesar... Owls pretend death in folklore around the world, but in other cultures, they represent wisdom and insight. In 2009, a film came out called The Fourth Kind that pretended to be a collection of alien abduction tales from Alaska. And owls were featured prominently as screen memories, fake memories that hide secrets from our conscious minds. Here's a clip of multiple experiencers recounting their weird owl memories to the psychologist Dr. Abigail Tyler, played by Mila Jovovich.
1: There's an owl at my window. An owl. A white owl. It was just looking at me. How long was it there?
2: Hours. Uh, no matter what I did, it wouldn't fly away. wasn't scared of me. Had you ever seen it before? Yeah. Uh. Once when I was a kid.
0: That was the first time. Uh huh. I guess I've seen it a lot. How much is a lot? Every night this week. Every night.
2: We'll have to take a look at that strange film in our continuing series, Debased on a True Story, which you can find at our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash monster talk. And I'd be remiss in my coverage of owls and the odd if I didn't mention the 1976 case of the Owl Man of Cornwall, England, sometimes called England's Mothman. Some skeptical takes have explained it away as misidentified owls. But when one considers that the source of the story is the known prankster, magician, and performance artist, Tony Doc Shields, I'm inclined to think it's less likely a misidentified owl and more likely a misidentified hoax. But throughout history, where owls and humans overlap. Their ghostly presence in the periphery of our awareness, suddenly made evident by the shine of their eyes or the screech of their voices, has startled us and burned them into our memories, our stories, our folklore, and our myths. Why do we find owls so fascinating? What can science tell us about owls? And if an owl could ask one question of us, what would it be? Ah, I know the answer to that one, Mr. Owl. You're listening to Monster Talk. All right, well, welcome to Monster Talk, Lauren Smith. No relation, as far as I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I mean, know.
2: I mean, I'm sure all Smiths are related at some level. Somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But this yeah. is not a case of
2: nepotism. So um, <laughs> now you're with the Owl Research Institute, but I I don't really have a bio for you. Would you like to introduce yourself? What would you like people to know about Lauren Smith? Other than oh, you, you're not related to me. <laughs> <like> a-
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Well, so I am the director of communications for the OWL Research Institute.
2: Is it a coincidence that that's OWL-RI, which kind of phonetically spells owl like in Harry Potter?
1: Oh. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm overthinking it. Yeah, we're O-R-I. So yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've been around since, I believe it's 1988, so I don't know that when our founder named it, he was thinking about Harry Potter. (laughs) No. Mm,
2: 88 was probably still recovering from watching Predator, because that came out the year before. That was the year, I graduated in 87, so everything's, like, I got this little marker of before and after graduation thing in my head. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's not important. (laughs) That's not important. I don't know why I'm talking about that.
1: Uh, So where is the, the Research Institute located? We're based out of Charlotte, Montana, uh, which is in northwest Montana. It's about an hour north of Missoula. And it's actually on the Flathead Indian Reservation and surrounded by conservation land and right in the Mission Mountain Valley. So we've got the Mission Mountains kind of on both sides and it's beautiful, beautiful. and gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Montana
2: is such a beautiful state to be empty. Mm-hmm. That, that,
1: exactly. Abbreviation <laughs> humor. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very funny. No, it really is gorgeous. It really is. So that sounds, so what's, what's it like in a a day at the office? Like, are you going in? How does that work?
1: Yeah, I, well, most of my work on both positive and bad, like I can work remotely. So I work on a computer, but I do go into our office, which is in an old farmhouse where actually our founder used to live there but now he's got like a another house kind of right next door and so we have it's mostly surrounded by open like pastures and like grasslands so we have we have two great horned owls nesting like in the trees around some ponds there's short-eared owls nesting in the grasslands around so it's we could do some of our research like right in our own backyard which is pretty amazing yeah perfect but Yeah, my job is I sometimes do get to go out in the field with everybody, which is always so much fun. But a lot of my job is on the computer, so So, not always the most fun.
2: (laughs) Do you strictly deal with owls from your local Montana area or do owls come in from other places or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so we all of our work is done with wild owls, all of our research. So we don't have like we don't do rehab. We don't have any owls in captivity. Um, And so we're only studying the owls that we have access to. So we, they do travel out um, kind of probably a couple hour radius. We'll go out to different sites to do studies and we band um, owls during the breeding season and capture chicks and take measurements um, and do a lot of surveys all over. And then every summer, our founder and director, Denver Holt, does go up to Alaska and he studies snowy owls up there on their breeding grounds.
2: Ooh, pretty.
1: Yeah, They're other young. than that, though, we uh, all of our research is done in kind of the north, northwest Montana, kind of centered around Charlo and, and Missoula.
0: Very nice. And so to begin with, Lauren, can you tell us how many species of owl
1: there are? From what I've seen, there's like 220 to 225 species of owls in the world. Wow. I believe it's in Montana. We have 19 species of owls that breed in the United States and Canada. Amazing. And so, not all of those are found in Montana, but quite a few of them are.
2: Very nice. So. I, I really like owls. This is, <laughs> I'm really I don't know
1: anyone who doesn't. I mean,
2: yeah. I have a friend who's uh, Stuart Little, hates m- owls. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> there's an eb white joke uh, all right here we go
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, i loved those books i read all of those growing up
2: <laughs> so, oh yeah it, yeah it, it is it is weird though I, they they just did a bit on seth meyer's night show uh late show talking about the fact that in the book Stuart little's parents are humans but he's a mouse but in the movie mm-hmm. he's adopted and uh i thought that was pretty funny
0: now i get it yeah yeah,
2: yeah. i'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> He gets a little car. He, he dresses <laughs>
2: spiffy, and he's—he's he's, no, he's—he's he's a very as as far as uh, anthropomorphic mice go, he's one of the better ones. So, um, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so, so, but we're here to talk about owls, allegedly. Yeah. Um. So, owls are—are are they important to the ecosystem? And, and as kind of a follow-up, if if they are important, how do we know?
1: Yeah. Well, they're a predator, so they're like higher on the food chain. And they're important, Like, I mean, they help, you know, keep rodent populations down, especially like, I know there's been a lot recently, like probably in the last year or so it's really gotten a lot of coverage in the news about like barn owls, particularly, um, and like vineyards will want to, are trying to attract barn owls to help like a natural rodent control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, owls are really good for that. And they, you know, historically have been found, barn owls have been found in barns and and a lot of farmers and ranchers really like having them around because they keep the uh, rat populations down and in control. Yeah, we were having
0: some problems um, uh, recently with our house and we went looking for those owls that you can get in Home Depot and uh, they're just always sold out. They seem to be really popular. Everyone has one.
2: <laughs> we're owl uh, out.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Lauren, I was thinking about the uh, idiom night owl and uh, it just Mm -hmm. made me think, are all owls nocturnal or are some of them not?
1: Yeah, no, they are not all nocturnal. A lot of them are, but there are some like the northern pygmy owl, which is an owl that we have here in North America. And we study them here in Montana, but they mostly hunt during the day. And there are some that are, more strictly nocturnal. And then there's some that are more active at like dawn and dusk. But And you can kind of tell if you can see the owl's face. So the owls that have, oh, and burrowing owls also are usually pretty active during the day. But if, so if you look at their face, they have, it's like a round, it's called a facial disc. And so the owls that have really well-defined facial discs tend to be more nocturnal because the facial disc helps them funnel sound to their ears oh. and so the owls that hunt more by hearing are the ones that are nocturnal but so like a pygmy owl or a burrowing owl they rely more on vision to hunt so they don't need quite as pronounced of a facial disc. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's. I cool. wonder why we
0: uh, associate them with nighttime then or maybe it's just the, the more common owls that we're familiar
1: with I, yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, you hear them at night. That that's yeah. We, you yes. don't you don't hear them flying. We'll get to that. But you like we've got mm-hmm. one that's moved into our neighborhood, and at night now, if I'm alone downstairs, it's not uncommon. For the, and this has only been for the past month or so, but I hear whoo 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 whoo, and I know that's not my neighbors <laughs> because they know who I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you mentioned that there some of the owls are active at a sunset, and I just I never mm-hmm. really like to miss the opportunity to use the word crepuscular. I just yes. love I love that word.
1: That is an excellent <laughs> word. Yeah. It, yeah, it's
2: it's a good trivia <laughs> Now's word. Your chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my wife doesn't like me saying it because she can't remember what it means, and then she gets mad that I bring it up. So. But I, mm-hmm. but but here we are for the listeners.
1: This is a safe zone, yeah. yeah
2: crepuscular. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> it's, another good owl word is nictitating membrane. I'm oh yeah, know what those that's, are yeah. Uh, so that's owls a good one.
2: Uh, do do? No, I don't remember. I know frogs have this. Do do most birds have those? Mm-hmm.
1: They do. Yeah, and they're you know to protect their eyes. It's like a clear eyelid that. So they have three eyelids: an upper one, and then a lower one, and then the nictitating membrane comes across like the side. It's kind of like. Right. goggles i guess like to protect their eyes if they're you know chasing prey through the brush so they yeah. don't scratch up their eyeballs that's
2: fantastic
1: okay yeah it, but you, yeah that's always another fun word to it really is out.
2: yeah yeah you, it, and it's not to be it's not to protect them from cigarettes
1: no no <laughs> not, not the good <laughs> so,
2: you mentioned i'm being very silly i apologize To the listener who recently, well, we had a listener complain that I I had too many puns in an episode. And I was like, well, says you and my wife, right? (laughs) But that's all right. But, uh, you know, if some people are here for the puns, some people endure the puns to get to the good content. So uh, here's the science question, though. What the hell's up with burrow owls? What's up with that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, burrowing (laughs) owls, burrowing owls. Yeah, they're. I will say I don't we don't really study those because they're not found in our part of Montana. They are found in like central and eastern Montana. More more in the prairie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I have seen them and they are so cool. But yeah, they live in underground burrows. So they actually will nest their underground in old like gopher burrows. And they like they prefer to just like run around on the ground. I mean, they can't fly, but yeah. They don't dig them themselves. They they don't dig the initial burrow, but they can dig uh, themselves a little bit. Yeah, wow,
2: so, very so strange. That is pretty wild. Yeah. I wonder how they and know they, the gopher burrow is empty, or do they eat gophers? That would also kind of solve that problem, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> well, and they will use, so they will use other burrows. I, I actually have a whole page. Somebody recently asked me about burrowing owls. And so I uh, typed up some notes on it just for, and I, was, I think they're fascinating. They do dig out burrows. They kind of will dig with their beak and then they'll kick it back with their, their feet.
2: Wow. But know, they, can they fly?
1: Yes. Yeah, they can. And they okay. do.
0: And will they live in the burrows by themselves or will they have families?
1: Yeah, so they there will be other owls around, yeah, kind of in these communal groups, um, which is okay. actually kind of different from other owl species. So most owl species are really very solitary, except for the mm-hmm. breeding season when like a pair will be together. And then once they have their chicks, of course, they're, you know, the family group. But the, the burrowing owls will be these like semi- communal groups okay actually there are other owls uh long-eared owls and shorter owls will roost in these communal groups but they don't it's like just in the winter time i think and they don't but they won't like nest close together but the burrowing owls will nest fairly close together but that could just be because like the burrows you know the burrow colony is all pretty close together so they kind of have to be interesting
0: and uh, as Blake has already touched upon already how do owls fly so quietly
1: or seem to yeah it isn't completely completely silent but it's actually below like the hearing level of their prey um so the like the mice that they're sneaking up on can't hear them so it is because i mean i don't think anything can be a hundred percent silent but it's very very quiet and so they have Like on the leading edge and the trailing edge of their wing, they have these little fringes. So that kind of breaks up the air. And then their feathers are really soft. um, And the air actually flows through the feathers, not just over it. And that makes their flight extremely quiet. Yeah, I I saw
2: some video where they did kind of like wind tunnel modeling on the the flight. I'll see if I can dig Mm. that up. If I can I'll put in the show notes if I can't I'll remove me saying this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well and I I know that there's researchers I can't remember where I found, I came across a really neat uh like a research summary video and I shared it on our social media so I could easily find it again but there's researchers that are studying like owl wings in particular so that then they can kind of try to apply that to airplane wings to help make airplanes quieter. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, that'll be cool. So the airplanes can sneak up on mice better.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: (laughs) So we know that uh, owls eat mice. Uh, What other kinds of prey do they have?
1: Yeah, a a lot of small mammals. I think that's a preferred diet for many owls. So mice, foals, shrews, they might take like rabbits and gophers. They'll eat frogs and insects. They will eat like songbirds, other birds. Um, there's an owl species uh, that eats fish, and actually, the ones that eat fish don't have silent flight because they don't need it to sneak up because it doesn't. The fish can't hear you really as you're sneaking up on it. Mm. Oh, and owls will the larger owls will actually eat the smaller owls. Wow, I don't. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I kind of it was not really something I had ever thought about before either. And I, I don't think that they're like. They don't like seek them out. I think it's much more of an opportunistic thing, but like a great horned owl would go after a pygmy owl, for example. So when we do like owl surveys, a lot of times we'll, um, so we have like a speaker with different owl calls on it. And so we have a protocol where you play the call and then you wait a little bit just to hear if, if an owl will respond. And so you have to start with the smaller species, so like a northern sawed owl or a northern pygmy owl, because if you play the the other out the bigger owl calls, then that'll scare off any of the smaller owls, and so you um, won't wouldn't pick them up on the survey because they would leave the area because they think there's a predator there. Right. That's because I, I could see them eating babies or something like that, but to, to eat yeah. more than that, yeah, I just think other it's types of. A- owls is interesting i i can't imagine that catching another owl would be very easy but they would i mean they would try if they had the opportunity
2: mm. yeah i just you, it, what struck me as amusing is the thing about the, the the owl that hunts fish i remember growing up fishing with my dad my grandpa them always telling me to be quiet i would scare the fish away and now i'm suspicious that maybe they just were tired of hearing me <laughs> mm, <for the> possibility.
1: <laughs> i would think they could hear a lot like if you're yelling and banging on the boat maybe they could hear that Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I said i was I fishing know.
2: yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well because like osprey although they're diving from really high but like osprey don't have silent flight and they they seem to do pretty well catching fish
2: they do seagulls are a little noisy too yeah
1: yeah uh, yep. yeah. yeah
2: so Ah, that's funny. I, I, I think I just uncovered a myth of my youth. That's, a... yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: but that's a well, good segue That
0: for a while.
2: Yeah. Well, this is a good segue though, because I wanted to talk about owl vocalizations. Like, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. I've got one behind my house. That's just doing the classic.
0: Hoo, hoo. That's classic.
2: Yeah. That was, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it sounds like too. That was dead on.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I know
2: famously, um, I guess the barred owl makes a pretty nasty screeching sound, and I guess the screech owl mm-hmm. must as well. They probably wouldn't call it that. You're
0: going to do that, like?
2: <laughs> uh, I am you not. Need a screech force? not. No, but here's a great opportunity for me to do an insert and stick in some mm-hmm. owl vocalizations that I can steal from YouTube. Here's a quick sampling of some different owl sounds. Keep in mind that these are just samples of the owls at that moment, under different circumstances. Birds can make very different calls and noises, but these are representative sounds of the various species. Number one, the snowy owl. Next, we have the eastern screech owl. This is a burrowing owl. The classic great horned owl. Next, the barn owl. And I love this one. This is a barred owl. That's B-A-R-R-E-D, not like the traveling medieval musicians. Okay, let's get back to the interview. Like, I know that crows have vocalizations that mean specific things, like "there's food over here" or Are predators "a predator's coming." Snake right? Or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But do 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 owls? Do they have like a lot of meaning that we can understand in their in their vocalizations?
1: Yeah, they they do. Yeah, and so we also. So again, with the kind of the bigger owls and the small owls, so we call the small ones the tooters, and then the big ones the hooters, because the bigger <laughs> owls, like the barred owl and the great horned owl, which are really common in a lot of places across North America, hooters, they make that kind of, who cooks for you is the barred owl, and like the the very stereotypical what you think of of an owl, call. and then like a saw-wet owl and a pygmy owl, they just sound like toots. And a northern Sawadal kind of, we describe it as like a truck backing up. It's just like this toot, 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 and it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, but yeah.
2: That's
0: I'm
1: amazed that Blake didn't make a joke then.
0: Um, well, I know, I'm just I'm it to Okay, you. this is a
2: behind the scenes look at what's going on. My wife handed me a bowl of awesome dinner and I haven't eaten and it's really late. So I'm quietly oh. chewing over
0: here. <laughs> okay, well, you missed a-
2: Here's, here's, here's my i know i know i know and we we have hooters restaurants here
0: i think they're all disappearing here i'm gonna you know there's no way this
2: conversation is going to go that i think is a good place so i'm just going to step away and say i, I agree you know? yeah
1: we'll
2: leave it. i think so that
1: but i will they do make a lot of other noises too aside from those like they'll they hiss and they screech and it, you mentioned screech owls and they have like a this sound that I've heard people imitate it. If they, it's like if you whistle and gargle at the same time, it's like a whinny <laughs> noise and they scream. And like, so like young great horned owls have this like awful screeching noise that people will ask. They, they message me all the time. Like, I heard this weird. I mean, it really sounds like a dinosaur and yeah. it's I'm like, well, it's probably a young great horned owl. Like it's, they sound really weird and they don't sound anything like an owl or what we think an owl should sound like is there any particular meaning for that sound that we're aware i mean it means i would like my parents to feed me (laughs) (laughs) i'm hungry (laughs) feed me (laughs) fair enough (laughs) um and they will like the if they clack their bills they'll usually do that if they're like irritated or if you're as a researcher, as we're too close to their nest and they would like us to leave, they'll clack their bills at us and they'll hiss at us. So those are very clear, like we are not happy with what is happening right now. Please back away. Uh, <laughs> communications. You know,
2: speaking of great horned owls, uh, have we discerned? Has science discerned any point? Uh, no, nope, not actually not a pun intended. But what's the the purpose of their owl headgear they're little pointy feathers like do we know if that means anything or is it just a sexual preference thing or a, what why do they have the horns on their head and no, they're not horns under the yeah. feathers yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're not they're not ears which is the first where we usually start um like with kids it's like those aren't their ears their ears are actually located on the sides of their head like hidden under their feathers And the, yeah, the horns, they can control them so they can move them up and down. So that'll, they'll signal um, different things to other owls. Um, And they also help with uh, like camouflage. So it helps them just kind of breaks up that silhouette. And long-eared owls also have like really distinctive long tufts on the top. And they can, they'll just get like real skinny and like kind of get snug right up against a tree trunk. And that helps with camouflage. Great horned owls do the do the same thing.
2: Oh, though. you were, you remind me of the the great horned owls. The, speaking of the young, my mm-hmm. goodness, I, they are strange looking young owls. They <laughs> mm-hmm. there was a a weird sort of alleged UFO case in Kentucky uh, in the 1950s, and some people have uh, posited that the actual what was actually going on was a, a pair of great horned owls were doing territorial protection, swooping in, and flying away, swooping in, and flying away. But mm-hmm. looking at the, mm-hmm. they thought they looked look like goblins, the people who saw this. And and it's like, if you look mm-hmm. at a young owl, man, it really does mm-hmm. look like a weird goblin-y creature. It doesn't look like much like a regular bird, like you would expect, I think.
1: No. And young barn owls, too, look real creepy. And they, oh, they have really terrible screams. I'm sure you could find videos on YouTube of barn owls, and it's, I mean it'll be like completely dark and you like can you imagine like walking into this barn and then you see these like pure white yeah like really kind of creepy looking alien things and they've like standing up really tall so they have, like really long skinny legs and then they just let out this like god awful screaming noise like I yeah they're, those definitely to me are I'm like oh yeah those are the have to be aliens how else do you explain that. Definitely, if you're not
0: familiar with something like that, I would imagine that would be terrifying. Yeah. And uh, definitely over the years of doing Monster Talk, we've encountered a lot of cases of owls being uh, used as explanations for various cryptids and paranormal claims. Things like aliens Mm. and uh, Mothman, the Jersey Devil, and the one that uh, Blake was just mentioning, too.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest
2: place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No
0: purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was going to kind of ask, uh, go back a little bit where we were talking about prey. And to ask about mm-hmm. um, predators, do owls have predators?
1: Um, not, I mean the smaller owls, the larger owls are predators for the smaller owls. But for the the larger owls, I think it's more like they're they're competing with other raptors. But I don't know that. So, like maybe a hawk might go after their babies. But I think, like a, for an adult owl, there's probably not. Other than humans, of course, I don't think there's really too much out there that would uh, try to take down an owl. Okay, I've heard of cases of people having keeping owls as pets.
0: Is that uh, is that a thing? Is that legal? Uh, is that illegal?
1: Yeah, in the United States, definitely not legal. So please don't don't have a pet owl. You have to have both federal and state permits to have an owl. Um, and like to be a, and usually it has to be like a rehab permit. And then that comes with, uh, you have to education requirements. So you have to show in order to have, to keep a rehabbed bird. Um, and it it wouldn't really be considered a pet either. It would be to have it as an education animal. And so you, you have to show that you are using it to teach about wildlife and, and owls. Um, And I really, yeah, would not recommend keeping an owl as a pet. They take um, a lot of, like, fairly specialized care. You really have to know how to take care of raptors. And they need quite a bit of space because they are quite large birds. And they would need to fly. And they eat mice. And so you would have to be able to supply them with mice. Um, Yeah, not... And they can be quite noisy. (laughs) So, yeah, we very much... I, yeah very much don't want people to think that uh having an owl as a pet is something that's a good idea because it's yeah really really not good to know because
0: i've just certainly seen people uh like or well, heard about people with keeping eagles or owls and i've always thought oh it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem right yeah
2: i yeah i, and- I, I want to crow really badly i don't like not badly enough to you know climb a tree but you know <laughs> They look they look so yeah. you know, Odin really started this. Um, but uh, you know, the, just having a crow on your shoulder seems kind of badass. It really does. But also not a good idea.
1: Yeah. Strange. Also, yeah. Well, and also so most most native species are covered under the Migratory Bird Species Act. Um, I think I mean like house sparrows and starlings, because they're non-native, are not, and then I'm not entirely sure about like around game species so bomb birds that people would hunt. I don't know. I think there's some some of those might not be covered, but for most species in the United States, you're not allowed to possess them or like any part of them. So that even includes feathers or like any of their nests or like you're not allowed to hassle them or get up there and like destroy their nest unless you have permits and permission. Now, like if you pick up a, like a Northern flicker feather or really beautiful, or like a songbird feather, like probably the feds aren't going to come after you for that, even though it is technically illegal, but people are much more tuned into raptors. And so definitely like, if you don't have the correct permits and you decide to just like take home an owl, you find like a baby owl, you find on the ground, like that's a people will come after you for that
2: yeah it's interesting the, the I know it, it might sound to listeners like that's a really strange law but there are um, a lot of people uh, for religious purposes or other purposes or cultural purposes mm-hmm. or, or artistic purposes want to use these feathers for you know decoration or in you know making holy objects or whatever and mm-hmm. there are legit reasons why they may want to do this but um, Even fashion, I guess yeah or fashion yes, and it, and it can quickly you know, burn mm-hmm. through the population and have a really negative mm-hmm. effect. We, we, I did some research on a guy who actually had built a uh, project where he was collecting feathers from bird owners who had exotic birds mm-hmm. and then using those to put them into the uh, sort of the, the legal trade system and it was mm-hmm. it was killing the poaching business. It was doing a great job. And it worked for a long time, but then he retired, and so I don't know if there's anybody keeping that going. But it was a very impressive uh, results that they got out of that just by just by making it available, so you didn't need to talk to a smuggler or you know go out and hunt mm-hmm. a bird. You could just get the feathers you needed uh, through a legal methodology. That was kind of neat.
1: Hmm. Um, yeah, that's great.
2: By a weird coincidence, though, a robin uh, in my yard this earlier today was sort of flopping around on the ground, and I thought it had injured its wing. And I actually went online to see, like, you know, what's the process for doing bird rescue? I thought I could catch it if it had a hurt wing. Turned out it was just an adolescent that had gotten just a little too big for the nest. And so mm-hmm. its parents mm-hmm. were still monitoring it and it was able to fly, mm, you know, 10 feet. It couldn't quite get back into the nest, but it could hide. It, it'll probably be fine. But yep. I did I did look into it and the state of Georgia was very clear about, don't do not do this. You'd need a license. You need, and it's like even for a mm-hmm. robin, which is just a completely mm-hmm. common bird. So, yep. yep.
1: Yeah, and I guess to that point too, if you do see an owl on the ground, it's probably okay. Because we have... Um, Dowl Research Institute partners um, with this great nonprofit called Explore, and they help us host these live cams. And so one of them is actually on a great horned owl nest. The female right now is incubating eggs, but in the like once the eggs hatch and the younger there, we can all watch it online. And it's, it's such a wonderful experience. But then when once the owls get big enough and they're kind of start exploring, and then they'll like hop around in the branches and they will hop out on the ground. And then just like sit there and be looking around, but they are okay. And that's a natural yeah. part of, you know, growing up and learning about the world. And it's, it's true of all birds, actually. So if it's, if you find a baby bird on the ground, unless it's like in the middle of the road, or you see that there's a dog or a cat or something about to come eat it, like it, just leave it alone. Cause the parents probably know exactly where it is. And if Mm -hmm. they don't, the baby will scream very, very loudly and let them know that it's where it is and that it's hungry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the parents are still taking care of it and they know they'll protect it and feed it. And probably once the baby rests a little bit, it'll just hop back into safety. That's good information to
0: have again. Yeah. (laughs) So, next question I thought was Blake's question, but he's telling me that it's my question. Uh, Are there any famous owls? Uh, and I know that there are, it seems like there are really dozens of them from movies and books, but are there, are there any ones that? Uh, well,
2: I, I know in in the Harry Potter, you know, books, they've got Hedwig and Errol, um, uh, Pigwidge. I and, thought it
0: was Douglas. That was cause my son's got a little toy owl. And, uh, I thought it was he
2: Harry, it Harry's is Hedwig. Uh, and it's, I think a snowy owl and, um, Errol is the Weasley's uh, owl, and then Pigwidgeon is a, a another owl I think um, that Ron has. I think they call it because he's like a little tiny owl. I don't know what kind of owl he is, but he's very little. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think. It, and now we've exhausted my Harry Potter knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if we want to talk about Dementors, yeah. th- no, no, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, I, there's. You know, uh, there was an owl. Um. That was tied to a PSA. I can't remember what the owl was. Um, I know like when I was growing up, there was a...
1: the like give a hoot, don't Yeah, yeah, don't pollute that that owl. owl. I don't know his name, but yeah, yeah,
2: that's the one. That's exactly the one.
0: When I was growing up uh, in Australia, when I was five and having all of my five-year-old immunizations, I was given a sticker when I had them. And uh, when I got my shots and it said, be wise, immunize. And so that was a a Mm. symbol of, you know, being clever and and so I it's another question that we'd like to ask too are owls clever because again you have that idiom of being wise as an owl are they
1: clever Mm -hmm. birds that's a yeah that's a I mean not if you're comparing them to like say corvids, like a crow or a raven I wouldn't say they're at that same level but it's kind of a heart like they're really good at what they do but I don't know that I would necessarily call them like extra clever they score very
2: high on a I. who test
1: <laughs> i mean i do recall a long time ago a friend of mine worked with at like a rehab center i believe it was or maybe like a educational center and she she did describe owls as being rather vapid um but i don't i don't have really any experience with uh captive owls most of mine is with wild owls, and I—I I mean, I don't think they're going to start using tools anytime soon, like the corvids do. <laughs> yeah. but, so, I mean, I don't know. I, d- but I, yeah, I don't know that they're like exceptionally wise. That's so interesting
0: because you see them stylized as uh, professors, you know, wearing glasses mm-hmm. uh, or being mm-hmm. teachers, and so it's. I'm wondering where that association comes from.
2: Well, in, in Greek mythology, weren't they? They were they were tied to Athena right I think and like you know mm-hmm. she was a goddess of wisdom um yeah and I which always surprised me like later on in life like when I was a kid I used to read mythology and then I saw Clash of the Titans and I thought the whole thing with um the the robot owl Bubo, was dumb and then I later I read and was like no 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 we talked to Adrian Mayer about it and she was like no no that there was a mechanical owl <laughs>
0: that's really part of Greek
2: mythology that <laughs> Really? Okay. Okay. Whatever.
0: So strange. Yeah. yeah.
2: Very odd. But, uh, yeah. That that is that is interesting because I imagine in different cultures they may have different meanings. So uh, Mm -hmm, that might be a little note to myself. Take a look at uh, world religion and mythology for the symbolism of owls and put a little insert in here. That'd be a good thing Mm -hmm. to
1: do. Yeah. Well, I do remember long time ago reading that like one of the reasons that people are so like taken with owls is because. They do. So their eyes are, you know, on the front of their head, whereas like a lot of other raptors, their owls' are, eyes are more on the sides, like a hawk. Nice. And so the yeah. owls have really good binocular vision. So it is, they look more like humans than other birds do. And so like, that's part of the reason this, wherever I read this was saying that, or hypothesizing that like, that was maybe one reason why people have been so taken with owls. And they really think that, maybe they give them more human characteristics because they look more like humans than a lot of these other birds do. Right. I and, didn't you know, people just, Yeah. And, you know, and they can fly and they're silent and mysterious. And so they're, yeah. They have a
2: high degree of competency when it comes to killing, man. They, they,
1: yes, I'm, I'm sure, I'm <laughs>
2: sure they do miss, but in mm-hmm. the, the few times I've seen them swoop down and pick up a rodent, it's been very impressive. So, mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. Well, and especially, so it is true. I mean, I think it's like for many young of the species, it can take a while to like really learn how to be a good hunter. And I don't have numbers on this, but I do know for a lot of birds, a lot of the young birds don't make it to adulthood, but once they do like survive their first year, like they're pretty good. Cause yeah, there's not a lot that's going to hunt and target an owl. I mean, other than a human and so they've mastered hunting and so they're as long as there's food around for them they they do quite well. So why is that that a lot of them don't make it to adulthood? Um, some of it could be like if it's just like a poor year with food um, like there just might not be enough food and there might be like they're too many owls in the area so they're out-competed and as they're like learning how to hunt, they probably miss a lot more than they catch. Or, I mean, like they do get hit by cars, like they'll be hunting along the roads and, and, you know, get hit by a car or they go after the wrong stuff. We did have a young owl on the farm that got skunked, which was, and we ended up taking it to a rehab center. Um, I think it was also injured. So I think the skunk gave it a, a pretty good tussle. Um, and and then it was just like, our biologist just found it sitting on a fence post, like in the torrential downpour, like not moving. So she called one of our local wildlife rehabbers who took it in and it was there for quite a while. And then we just released it, I believe it was in November. Um, and it still smelled like skunk. The, they wow. said that they gave it like three baths. Well, and I, and this is interesting. I didn't know this, but I guess that, that like getting skunked can actually cause neurological damage sometimes. Yikes. If it's bad enough. Yeah. And I guess that's a, can be an issue with dogs too. And I had no idea. I thought it was just a, you know, terrible smell that never comes out, but yeah.
0: And that's why the bird was just sitting there and not moving.
1: Yeah. And it was really skinny. So I think our hypothesis is that's probably why I even tried to go after a skunk in the first place was that it was probably starving because it couldn't catch anything else.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sad.
2: Mm-hmm. My my parents, when they were uh, early in their marriage, they had a skunk get under the house. And uh, <laughs> my dad went under Ooh. the house to try to get it. And, of course, that caused the skunk to emit its mm-hmm. scent. And then, even though they got the skunk out from under the house, every time it rained for the rest of the time they lived in the house, oh. <laughs> the whole house smelled like skunk. It's like...
1: Oh, dear. I,
2: that's one of those yeah. burn it down and try again later, you know, kind of.
1: Yep. We, my roommate in grad school, we would sometimes leave the back door open during the day because we had a fenced in backyard. And so her dog could go out, but we uh, went out one night and we forgot that the door was open and came back. And we we're like, what is that smell? And what had happened was somehow a skunk got into our fenced in yard and then the dog chased it in the house oh, and no! chased it around the house. Oh, Uh-oh. no. Yeah. <laughs> and it. And thankfully, it, like, really only sprayed, like, kind of in the laundry room. So it was a bit contained. But it, you could yeah. see the path where they had run around the house and knocked stuff over and, like jumped up and got dirt on the bed it was
2: oh you really uh, want a webcam yeah. or n- nanny cam for that that's yeah yeah <laughs> we just caught a uh, yeah. a possum uh coming through our front yard on our zoom or what do you call them a ring camera and mm-hmm. uh my my I, I came home and my my wife and one of my daughters were like they were like leaning out and looking around they couldn't t- they had seen the like the doorbell thing activated and they could see some animal had come by but they couldn't figure out what it was and when we went and reviewed the footage, they saw it was a possum. They were freaking out. And it's like they're, they're everywhere in Georgia, but you know, that's just mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Anyway, Not good a, another exciting true wildlife story. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you yeah. know that opossums only have one excretory orifice? It's true. Okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, oh I don't think I did know that. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. It's weird. It's a marsupial thing. So we'll Karen probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, it's just because I'm a strictly <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just, come on. Don't, oh, don't, don't, this isn't like first
2: grade. Welcome to Australian first grade. Marsupial females only have one extratory orifice. You know, okay. Uh, here's your ABCs. Absolutely is that, not. No. Is
0: that... <laughs> uh.
2: Anyway, that's... I, I was going to ask... We actually talked about this briefly, but... And you mentioned that burrow owls do tend to keep in a group. but mm-hmm. and, and obviously owls as parents they they i say obviously is it obvious do the most owls as parents they both tend to the babies
1: mm-hmm. yeah so they they will like the female usually are the the ones that will incubate the eggs so like sit on the nest and then the male will bring her food while she's on the nest and but they will both kind of defend the territory and they do that a lot with the hooting and like great horned owls and barred owls Will duet back and forth, so the male and the female will have this call and response where they sing back and forth to each other, and that's defend, like letting all the other owls know that, like, hey, this is our this is our spot. You better not come over here. Right. But then once the um, chicks are old enough to thermoregulate on their own, and so they don't need a parent like sitting on the nest to make sure they stay safe, both the male and the female will hunt and bring back food for them
2: oh wow that that's the family unit they don't like they they, Mm -hmm. they're very territorial i guess right
1: yeah so the pairs at least with great horned owls it is different for different owls and like some owls do migrate even but great horned owls do stay on their territories year round Um, but other than in the breeding season the male and female they'll be in the same general area but they won't like roost next to each other like they do they, that's, like, part of their, like, courtship. They'll start doing that, like, early in the winter when they're getting ready to mate.
0: Um, so just an, a kind of general question about types of owls. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what would be the, the largest owl in existence and what which one would be the smallest?
1: Yeah. So the largest owl in North America is the great gray owl. They can. They have like a up to a sixty inch wingspan, um, and the females. So in all owls, the females are larger than the males, and that's true of a lot mm-hmm. of raptors. Okay. Um, and so the females can be up to about two, just under three pounds, and the males will be around two pounds. Those are big and owls. They are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're huge. I got to hold a male uh, this past summer, and it was, you know, my like whole torso so it was quite a and it, it was so light it was like this weighs less than my cat it's you know and he was quite skinny because he had three chicks actually that he was busy feeding so i think once the chicks was old enough i think the female maybe i don't know if she was still around or not or if it was kind of just the male taking care of them but
2: am i'm remembering right that birds have hollow bones instead of like marrow-filled bones is that right does it make them lighter
1: yeah. To
0: make them lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is there any reason why uh, the females are sometimes
1: larger? Ooh, I think for some of them, it is because, so the females when they're sitting on the nest, cause sometimes they'll like, they need to just like sit there and like the males do bring them food, but like, they're not really, they don't get to hunt for themselves cause they're just sitting on the nest. So being larger you know gives them more food store as they're just sitting there incubating
0: um i see yeah but uh, do they like being held do they can they be domesticated in any way so that we can get along with them or are they really they don't like being near humans or being held or touched
1: yeah all of well i we've i personally have only worked with uh wild owls and like most wild creatures, they really do not want anything to do with people. <laughs> so they are not typically very happy about being held, which is why we really are careful to, we're very specialized training and highly trained so that we can take all of the measurements we need very quickly so that we can release them and they can get back to their business. And we're not imposing upon them as little as possible. But I I can't really speak to you know people who have had like owls that have got like tried to been rehabbed, but maybe can't be released. And so I would assume that probably those owls get much more used to being handled by humans and probably don't have much of a problem with it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have any personal experience with that. That
2: makes me curious though. What what kind of metrics are you taking on the owls? Like,
1: Yeah. So we do um, weight uh, and then Usually like wingspan, we'll kind of feel the keel, which is like the bone on their chest. And you're actually feeling for, you can feel for like fat deposits on there. And just kind of, it's kind of a rough measurement. You're like, ooh, does it feel really skinny? Or can I feel that there's a lot of fat deposits Mm -hmm. along there? And we'll measure the tail. Sometimes with the northern sawwets, we were looking at eye color. Kind of the standard measurements that people take when they're... um, catching birds.
2: So if you're, if you're rehabilitating a bird, is it, do you look for things like infection or like, do you do antibiotic treatments or is it primarily just keeping them fed and warm and making sure that they're, mm-hmm. you know, generally in a what a, a supportive environment?
1: I think it's definitely that, but yeah, they will treat them with antibiotics. I think even, and like they'll X-ray them to look for, you know, broken wings, broken bones. I think they'll do surgery on them too. Um, I think that can probably vary widely depending on the um, capacity of different wildlife rehab places, but the ones, a couple of them that will work with us will do, you know at least some surgery. I know that I mean if it's if the injury is too extensive, they um, can't always do surgery on it or if it looks like even with surgery, we this owl, you know, we'll be missing a leg or something like that. They, they might not, but. Well,
2: if you don't mind me asking uh, this, I know it's a little bit out of your expertise, but um, do we, what's, what's the fossil record like on owls? How long have owls been around?
1: Ooh, that I don't really know. I know they are in the fossil record, but I'm not entirely sure how long ago, but they've been a lot around for quite a long time. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we, yeah. I mean,
2: we assume like all birds. I think we think come from theropod dinosaurs, right? So, mm-hmm. so at least yeah. them. All, I mean, they were,
1: <laughs> yes. It's sometime
2: yeah. after the big impact.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But before that, um, Hooty a woodsy owl uh, PSA somewhere in between.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: somewhere between sixty five million years ago and nineteen sixty five, somewhere
1: in that somewhere zone oh here's this line they were already present as a distinct lineage some 60 to 57 million years ago so they're probably they're older than that at least maybe five million years earlier yeah
2: that's a long time ago wow okay
1: well it's also i find it really interesting there's really only like two families of owls so there's like barn owls and i think bay owls are in with them, so they're their own thing, and then all other owls are the a different family, the strigidae. Now that is really
2: mysterious if you think about it, because that means mm-hmm. barn owls probably predate barns.
1: But yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think. I think that's probably a pretty accurate statement. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Science.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to pull up? blake at all no i Any think other?
2: i've done enough damage tonight <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. to the topic uh, well lauren yeah. this has been such an interesting discussion and uh a topic that uh, is of interest to a lot of our uh, listeners a lot of people have asked for us to do a show about owls that's Ooh. why i sought you out so
1: um I, yeah no this is great i i love i love talking about owls so Oh, yeah. we've loved having you on the show, but yes. we've got
0: one final question that we ask all of our guests, okay. and that is what's your favorite monster?
1: Yeah, so my favorite monster is I think the skunk ape. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna say out. No, no. No.
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah.
2: do you mind if we ask why?
1: Sure, yeah. So, so why? I um <laughs> quite a while ago now i think it was like 2011 or 2012 i actually had an internship at a national wildlife refuge in florida and so my friends and i took a couple days off and we actually traveled down to the everglades and in the everglades we found this place called the skunk ape research center yes and so we went there and my friends very uh unfairly i thought couldn't we were i mean we were found the whole thing very amusing so then i was the one that had to to talk to the the guy dave sheely i think his name is and so it, like trying to talk to him about what he was doing and um yeah and i do have a skunk ape uh research field guide nice um, and we bought the dvd and the bumper stickers but it was a very uh <laughs> interesting which and and you know like a lot of it as a you know, somebody with a scientific background, a lot of that stuff, I was like, I could kind of get behind some of this. But then when they were like, yeah, the best way to get skunk apes is to set out dried lima beans or like soaked lima bean sets. I was like, I, you lost me there. I don't think anything, any living (laughs) creature, nothing wants to eat dried lima beans. So like, I mean, you kind of, I could kind of go along with until there is like, nope.
0: (laughs) Fair enough.
2: And then you threw those lima beans out the window. And the next morning, a giant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah, that was why just because we got to go down there and kind of learn, learn a little bit about them. And yeah, just that's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, I'll double check on his name, but I I know exactly where you're talking about. I I wanted to go Mm -hmm. there myself, uh, but I was on the way to Key West and there's really no way to make it on
1: yeah on route you know
2: so it was yeah
0: Eh, one day
2: well i i I, I, yeah exactly one day yes for sure for real i there's too much there's so much weird stuff down there in in florida mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah yeah that it uh definitely i it's and everybody goes to the beaches but you know there's some amazing other stuff to do in florida uh, besides just go get a sunburn so yeah
1: yeah <laughs> yeah well i believe it could be changed now but his place is a campground because surprisingly the skunk ape research didn't bring in enough to <laughs> you know sustain <laughs> itself so it is a campground there's a very nice gift shop i think there's like a reptile museum so I'm really just like promoting it for them here
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no, <laughs> But it was that's...
1: quite I, I did quite enjoy our visit we we really enjoyed it so yeah, yeah that's outstanding yeah we'll have to get this someday
2: <laughs> yes for sure one day, one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, Lauren, yeah. thank you so much for your time and for all this information. This yeah. is great.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Us. This was really fun. So and I'll, yeah, I'm happy to, to answer more questions if you have any ever.
2: Well, if, if we don't, I bet some of our listeners might. So uh, we, we, where can people find out more about the Owl Research Institute?
1: Sure. Our website's probably the best place, which is just owlresearchinstitute.org. And then if you, or if you can find us on social media or on Instagram and Facebook, and I am the person that responds to all those. So if you message me on those, or if you contact us through our website, or you can email me directly at Lauren, which is just L-A-U-R-E-N at owlresearchinstitute.org. Um And I I love answering just questions about owls. I field questions actually from people all across North America. So it's, yeah, I'm happy to answer uh, any questions.
2: Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stoltzner. You just heard an interview with Lawrence Smith of the Owl Research Institute in a discussion about the amazing animals that we call owls. Links to the ORI are in the show notes, along with several links to owl-related material from science, pop culture, myth, and legend. Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as... Ben Franklin's World, Infamous America, and... Legends of the Old West. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support that's monstertalk.org, forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you enjoyed it. and Maybe you learned something new and something interesting. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with your enemies. We're just glad you gave us a listen and hope you'll be back for more. Monster Talk is a production of Monster House LLC and our theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys.